a long layoff for maintenance and creativity, the T.Dell and Mick Ethers 21 podcast is back to talk some of what we um, have to get caught up on over the last three and a half weeks, which is NBA Summer League, how these rookies are doing, and maybe a little bit of the offseason drama that is a little bit of a late reaction, but we'll at least give our opinions on it. Um, so we'll start off with the Summer League, though. That's a little bit fresher. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us who you like. Well, welcome back from your uh, long adventures in L.A. battling off uh, wildfires. I'm glad to know you made it. Let's go ahead and address that, actually. So I've always – this is going to be a little insensitive, but I've always said that I could survive a natural disaster. And my point was proven when I survived a wildfire in Los Angeles. Um, As many people panicked and screamed and were crying, I calmly marched and or calmly walked to the location that I felt was the safest and called my Uber driver. Um, was not as difficult as people made it to seem. So I do think that if you remain calm during a natural disaster, you can survive it. Um, on to the summer league. Go ahead. Shit. Well, that's not exactly how the story went, I think, when you called me in the middle of this uh, disaster. But I will leave it at that. Uh, so uh, I'll just give you three rookies that I really maybe surpassed my expectations for the summer league like maybe guys that I thought would be do well but have really like really stood out in summer league and the first one is your boy Wendell Carter Jr. um, in Chicago so I thought he was going to be like a complimentary piece to Laurie Markkinen. Like I thought he would be more of a role player, just sort of maybe I hate to do this comparison, but like a Kendrick Perkins with the thunder, you know, just sort of the guy that just sort of cleans everything up. But this guy looks like he's going to be him and Laurie Markkinen are going to be a duo and he's going to be every bit as good as Laurie Markkinen. I mean, the dude was maybe the standout player, of the summer league yeah. he was at just ridiculous um and i just he really stood out and i really liked him and i think some of that comes from um him this has happened with duke guys in the past but like him playing with bagley last year hurt his stock more than it helped like anybody else's stock like he they played the zone window carter played the center of the zone um, didn't get to show off a lot of his shot blocking ability. Kind of got put in binds because they play that spread out two three, and anybody who could attack the middle of Duke's Duke's zone was just putting Window Carter one on one or two on one in bad situations. And then on top of that, he was like their third or fourth offensive option. So I think like it kind of hurt his draft stock playing at Duke last year. And I think you see that a lot with, the, and I've talked about it on Twitter a lot with these Kentucky guys. Like yep. they sort of have to fill a role. And that limits maybe just how good they are. And, and I guess I do think it like ultimately probably helps them as a player to go through that season play, like filling a role. But as far as just draft stock goes, like like you said, it happened with Kentucky guys. Happens with Duke guys. It's like I don't know why it's so hard to see it, but it, it does hurt it. They, uh, Wendell Carter, man, he was, uh, all over the place. He looked a lot more athletic than I originally had thought. Like, I thought maybe, I don't know, he was always athletic, but he just, I don't know, something about his athleticism was weird to me, but that looked like it wasn't a problem. Um, and I know I literally just told you this before we went live. Uh, a guy worded this one time on Twitter, and I thought this summed it up. He's, uh, Summer League, he said, that if a guy does really well in summer league, it's not necessarily an indictment that he's going to do well in the NBA. But if you do really bad, that's normally a bad sign moving forward. Uh, right. And if Wendell Carter is half as good as he was in summer league, it's not going to be he's Laurie Markkinen's sidekick. It's going to be these two guys are a problem. And uh, he's, he, did, he tore up uh, Vegas. And, and he actually – he's got – He's a good rim runner and good shot blocker, obviously, but he's actually got a pretty good back to the basket game. 
Oh, his footwork was incredible. Right, and it didn't get showcased. You know, it would come in like spurts. If you watched a lot of Duke, every now and then he'd catch the ball with his back to the basket if it got like late in the shot clock or something. Um, and he'd be able – he loved like the baseline spin, but his footwork was really good, and and he – it's a lot better than what people thought, I think, going into the draft. Uh, Chicago just paid Zach Levine $80 million, and I thought it was a good I, – I don't know that – Chicago could have done – well, I don't know what else they would have done with $80 million. A lot of people criticized the move, but I think it was a good move for them. So they're going to have uh, – they're they're extremely athletic and can get up and down the floor. Chris Dunn, Levine, Markin, and Wendell Carter, they're going to be uh, – Let's not overlook – well, you're overlooking somebody. Oh, God. Who? Jabari Parker. Oh, well, that just – he's coming off the bench. Maybe that will be a better role for him. Well, uh, that's – that's not going to happen. Jabari Parker is going to play out this year, and maybe they, that maybe the option year, and then after that he will be a stud somewhere. But go ahead. I almost I almost can't even do these with you anymore. These, <laughs> these outlandish opinions. They do want to play him at the three, so I think you're going to see a lineup of Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, Markin, and Wendell Carter, and that's an interesting lineup. I don't know if it's good. Uh, the other team's going to score whenever they want to, but or play an O five zone, possibly. And uh, there, I don't know. Wendell Carter, I like his fit with Chicago, and if he's half as good as he was in summer league, uh, Chicago got a, a steal really as late as they did. Uh, the next guy was uh, Kevin Knox, and we're talking about a Kentucky guy. Um, I did say early on that I thought New York really got a good pick and a really good player. Uh, but he, man, there was at times he looked like he shouldn't even be playing in summer league because he was just so much better than everybody. And New York, I'll go ahead and uh, piggyback here. Mitchell Robinson, another pickup for them at the five. Uh, when Chris Nats Porzingis comes back, New York is going to, I think, go, like go on a late season run where they might win their last 70% of their games because – Mitchell Robinson at seven foot, Porzingis at seven foot, Kevin Knox at six seven. Uh, they're going to be a big while also athletic team. And Kevin Knox is good of a shooter as anybody in the league right now. And his uh, his footwork and everything, like he's such a skilled player. Uh, his player comparison to me, he reminded me of uh, Paul Pierce. Uh, great footwork. Nice jumper, but not going to overwhelm you with athleticism. Uh, maybe defensively not great, but not terrible either. Uh, and I think he remind he reminds me a lot of Paul Pierce, and I think that might be a good uh, a guy to model his game after moving forward. Yeah, Knox is freaking long. Like, dude is like, I don't I don't know what it is. I'm going to be 100 percent honest here. We talked about the draft. I watched Kevin Knox's first summer league game. I'm not even sure if that was the guy that I thought it was. Like I, like sure. I, something like he didn't even look the same as what I thought he did at Kentucky. And his game was completely different than what I remember with the few games that I watched at Kentucky. And I think that's kind of what people fall into when they're trying to evaluate talent in college. Um, and it's like that is not even the same guy that I remember playing at Kentucky. Almost, I'm, I may actually not even be the same guy. I may have had him confused with somebody else, and I, I really don't know. But dude, he's, he's going to be a stud. He looks exactly like Kennedy Meeks that played at North Carolina, like they yeah, were identical twins. <laughs> um, but yeah, Knox again. He's one of those Kentucky guys where he just sort of has to fill a role, and you just sort of miss just how talented these teams are, these players are. And Knox, I said I think he's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer in the league. Uh, like, take Zach Levine. Zach Levine averaged, like, 21 a game, and I think he's going to be better than him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he's just got all the skills necessarily. He's got to get a little bit quicker to be able to defend. Uh, but I like, you know, I like his versatility. I think he could play the two, three, maybe the four if he bucks up. Uh, but he's got the length for it. So he could play two through four. And he's got a knockdown shot. His footwork and his skills are there. Um, he can he can create better than I think he showcased at Kentucky. Yep. Um, and I think the Knicks, you know, they they did good here. Uh, he stood out in summer league. And uh, another one, 
and I said he would be the steal of the draft, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander out of Kentucky. Uh, the Clippers, I think that's the point guard of the future for the Clippers. Uh, I think he's going to be like a 16-point, 10-assist guy for his career. Uh, he uh, he really was able to create and just got – he picked his spots. He got wherever he wanted. Uh, and he's got a nice mid-range game, which I think is sort of uh, – like I think that's a uh, – what's the word? Not a myth, but like I think people – don't see that what opened up a guy's three-point shot is his ability to shoot from mid-range. And that's the same thing with Steph Curry is like the fact that people have to – that's why Steph Curry is able to get a lot of threes off because they know if he pump fakes and takes one dribble, uh, it's going in. So they have to – you know, they're like, why can't you just get on Steph and uh, stay in front of him, don't let him get a shot off? Well, because if he takes one dribble and goes by you, he's knocking down a – mid-range jumper and Shea Gilchrist Alexander's got to work on his outside shot but uh he's a he's a crafty point guard he's long uh, and I like uh, he he did really well in summer league too um you got anybody else um because I've got some names I want to throw out just to pick your brain uh Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks I really liked him yeah uh, let me think DeAndre Ayton was underwhelming, but was not bad. I don't want people to equate the two. He was not a bad player, but he, I mean, th- I think he averaged like 14 and 10 with three blocks or something like that. But yeah. uh, there's, uh, there's three guys who I thought like performed exactly like I probably expected them to. And I think it's Ayton, Bagley, and Bamba. See, like, like I, and what I mean by that is, like, I thought Aiton would be a little bit better. I thought Bamba would kind of show flashes of, man, this guy could be really good. And I thought Bagley would be pretty good, but May would struggle a little bit. I think it's easier for wings and guards in the summer league than it is for bigs. That's fair. And, and a lot of that is, I mean, like those are three guys that are all 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, whereas I think it's a bigger difference between an 18 or 19-year-old playing against like a guy who's been in the league for two or three years as a big um, and trying to make it on a on a roster playing in the summer league still or whatever as opposed to guys playing on the perimeter. How do I just kind of just watching it just seems like it comes a little easier to some of the guards. Oh. You see and then the a couple others that I liked, Colin Sexton for the Cavs. That's my rookie of the year pick because it always goes to a guard almost. Almost every time it goes to a guard. And it goes to a guy who scores maybe the most points, even if it's on 30% shooting. Um, and I think Colin Sexton is going to score points because he's going to get any shot he wants in Cleveland, especially if Kevin Love leaves. And – He's a guard. He's going to handle the ball, and he was—he was every bit as good as I thought he would be. I, I think I, me and you had talked about how we thought he was the best guard in the draft. Yeah, um, and I stand by that. I think he probably is the best guard in the draft. Um. So I know you would refuse to say this, but uh, what about Grayson Allen? Sure. Man, the dude's already making a name for himself in the most Grayson Allen possible way as a 17 7 and 4 guy that's how dude is a freaking stud i don't think it's sustainable i don't think he i don't think he does uh in fact uh i've got three disappointments too and one of them is marvin bagley one of them is trey young who was not good um and then my third one was uh well, it's got to be Donkic because we didn't get to see him play. He's yeah. didn't get his right signed over. So uh, those were my three disappointments. Marvin Bagley struggled against physicality. Uh, he had the one highlight dunk on his opening night, which was nasty, by the way. Absolutely filthy. He bodied that dude. Uh, but overall, he did not have a great summer league. He, and it's a set – man, I'm telling you, Marvin Bagley is so much like Julius Randle, it makes me sick, and nobody else accepts this. <laughs> I disagree completely. Randle. He's got a jump shot. Julius Randle tried – he overpowered people at Kentucky. 
He got to the league and he could not overpower people. And then he didn't have anything. You know, he's developed some playmaking and some skill um, and an ability to go by people. But Bagley is showing the same thing. Like he can't overpower these dudes. And it showed in summer league that he struggled a little bit. Um, so he's it's going to take some time. I think he'll figure it out and he'll be a decent player. But, man, I'm telling you, Marvin Bagley is so much like Julius Randle. It makes me <laughs> sick. Oh, I di- I disagree. I can't I can't stand behind it. I think Bagley's a lot better than Julius Randle. He's longer, more athletic. Um, it's not exact. Like he's not. You know, no, I I get the I get the the sentiment there, but I think Bagley's going to develop a jump shot. And my player comparison from the beginning is Chris Bosh before blood clot. Um, Was that necessary? Well, he's not Chris Bosh post blood clot. Well, uh, Bosh is fine. He's healthy. But he's not in the league anymore. So No. I think he'll be in the league. Um, I also like – I like Miles Bridges. I got to see a little bit of him. Um, I think he's going to be exactly what we kind of thought he was. Um, Time out. Did you know Mitchell Robinson averaged six blocks in summer league? I did not. Uh, I did that's, not ridiculous. That. that's ridiculous. But continue. Uh, Miles Bridges – yeah, he man, he coming out was supposed to be like a top two pick with Michael Porter, and then he stayed at Michigan State because his stock was so low, and then he gets drafted mid first round now, and he's just gonna to me be one of those players that just sort of like a Carmelo Anthony where he comes in the league with all this you know talent and hype, and he just sort of you know he is what he is like yeah he's, he's not a top guy in the league he's just sort of a average guy and and i think uh bridges is going to be uh like a four i think he's going to be better fit as a four until he figures out his jumper i think so too um here's a i, I pay attention to the duke guys because i want him to do well but i got one more for you and it is harry giles gotta I be spoke. honest i did not see him play in summer league harry giles was pretty you know he this is the first time he's played you know, he took about a whole year off. Um, in the Vegas Summer League, he was a 10-7 and seven guy. Let me see what he did. In, and in Sacramento, he was a 9-6. A and six. So, And that's his first time playing in a year of basketball, basically. He just took a whole year off, had some, like, highlight dunks, was able to rim run, catch lobs, um, blocking shots. And it was, like, just – it was nice to see – it, it looks similar to high school senior Harry Giles that was head and shoulders above everybody in the country and then, you know, has the ACL tear and right. tears and, and kind of changes everything. But I think he's a guy to just kind of – I don't know how good he'll end up being. I don't know how he'll develop or if he can stay healthy. Most times these ACL injuries are – they repeat themselves eventually. But um, I do think he's like a guy to keep an eye on as somebody who may have ended up being a steal for Sacramento. And that they, everyone, it's kind of like, I don't know, this happens with GMs, I think, and it happens with fans too, where teams want to find the next big thing and they want to get it before the next person does, basically. And everyone saw, you could see the similarities in college between Trey Young and Steph Curry. They were both high production, um, shot the ball well, undersized, Light skin. I mean, you could. It's understandable where where that comparison came from as far as their college games and translating. Um, I just thought it was a little ridiculous. I, I think Trey Young struggled down the stretch um, in college. He had issues with physicality, and once teams started to figure him out, is I don't think he has nearly as good of a jump shot as Steph Curry does, and I just think he's going to struggle. 
He's super undersized. I mean, I don't know. I'm just not a Trey Young guy. I'll take Grayson Allen over Trey Young. I'm working on getting Etheridge back in here. I'm sending him invites, but he's not joining, which I'm guessing means his phone died on him. So that's 100% on him. After the summer league, we should get into some of the off-season stuff. I haven't really got to talk much about it, but I was out in L.A., and they had the signs up for LeBron, and obviously people were going in and buying LeBron merchandise. Hey, there he is. Yeah, okay. Where'd you? Where'd I cut off at? I've been filibustering for the last few minutes. Oh man, where? What did I? What'd you last hear? Last thing I heard was, oh, I haven't heard anything from you in a while. The last thing I said was that I didn't think Trey Young would get a second NBA contract. A little bit of hyperbole, but after that, you dropped off. I didn't even hear that. Okay, so it was right after Harry Giles. Oh, man, I've been on a rant here. for. Well, I've been filling time by talking <laughs> about why I hated Trey Young. And we're still live, by the way. That's and um, my trip to L.A. and the LeBron vibes out there. Uh, Trey Young, man, he really disappointed me. Uh, I thought – I mean, I didn't think he would be this just stud. And I thought he's always sort of been overhyped from the beginning. Like, he had a terrible second half of college basketball. Uh, when guys started to figure him out a little bit, he had a terrible second half. You, uh, you, we just, I just went on like a two and a half minute rant, filling time, and said that exact like we just said like back to back exact same thing. <laughs> here's here's what I said about it. I think it, the Trey Young like hysteria was the Steph Curry effect, and what I mean by that is Steph Curry comes in, changes the league, and Golden State wins how many titles they have in a row. And everybody wants to – it's one of those things where everybody wants to find the next Trey Young. So they start looking for those qualities in the, the next NBA star, basically. It happens in the NFL. It happens all these places where you start to – whoever comes over and takes over the league, Peyton Manning comes in as the best quarterback in the NFL. You start trying to mimic some of the qualities that he has and try to put them on a guy in college yeah, and part of it like that. But I absolutely see that a lot of the times with the quarterback comparisons, I remember yeah. Peyton Manning, and, uh, Andrew Luck, for example. Yeah. And you know, you got guys, Tom Brady or Cam Newton has a big year and everybody tries to find the next, the next one that is just like this guy. And you can obviously see the similarities in Trey Young's college season and what Steph Curry did, high productive on teams that weren't great, you know, and like, Undersize, I said they're light, both light skinned and shoot the three well. Like teams thought, oh, we got the next Steph Curry right here. And everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted in on the next Steph Curry and wanted to be, they wanted to be the ones to, to get the next, the next Steph Curry. And it was like, this just, you're putting a label on a guy and that's not who he is. And it overvalued him. Like I thought he made some good decisions out of the pick and roll, he passed it well. And I think if Trey Young sort of settles down, and that's what we've been saying, and that's been a critique of his, and that was Steph Curry's critique. And, you know, I I know we're saying that he's not Steph Curry, and he's not, but, uh, like, he just sort of – he's rushed at times, and he's he's got some things to figure out, especially uh, playing against NBA guys where he's going to have 6'5 on him and 6'6 six, six every night. And here's uh, the thing, like, if, if you think Steph Curry's a liability on defense – Wait until Trey Young plays in a non-summer league game. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that guy – I don't know if there's much of a gap out there between me and him guarding whoever he gets switched on to. Yeah, We're both getting scored on. Bully him is what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but I was – when I was cut off, um, I was talking about the Lakers rookie, Sevy, the shooter from Kansas. Yeah. Uh, and then Mo Wagner. Uh, Sevy showed that he's not just a shooter. But he also showed just how good of a shooter he was. Uh, against the Cavs, he had 31 with six threes. Um, and I think he's going to get a lot of minutes for the Lakers. I think he's going to rotate in. And uh, it'll probably be Rondo, Sevy, and Lance uh, coming off the bench. And I think Sevy's going to get a lot of minutes with LeBron just simply because he can shoot it from anywhere. 
Yeah. Uh, but he showed that he's not just a liability elsewhere. We get uh, a common basketball thing that people do is when somebody is a shooter, they automatically assume that they're weak and they automatically assume that they're bad at defense. Also, also a white shooter. Let's not leave that out. The yeah. white shooter even more so. And and the reason people think that is because a lot of the time it is true. Like right. That, but. Like Kyle Corver, for example. Like everybody, if, if you get labeled as a shooter and you're white, it's like, okay, you're all Kyle Corver. Uh, but like JJ Reddick is actually a solid defender, and a lot he doesn't necessarily get that uh, reputation. Maybe for that reason, I don't know. But uh, Sevy showed that he's not a liability on defense. He's actually pretty good. Uh, now, will he be good at the NBA level? Probably not. But he can. He showed he could be decent. Uh, but he also showed he has the ability to create and get his own shot. Um, and that's another sort of myth like people think oh well all he can do is catch and shoot it and that might be true for a lot of guys but uh, that's a sort of a stereotype that gets thrown around um, yeah and then uh, mo wagner he was uh i said i don't know what he did this off season, but it was getting shape was the first thing he did because he was so much uh more filled out and quicker than i thought he was at michigan at michigan to me i don't i don't know if he was hurt or uh, what but he looked a step slow but uh he was mobile in summer league and i think that'll uh that'll help la off the bench moving forward too uh, i liked both those la rookies especially where they picked from yeah um i think that's a for the most part i think that's about it for me on i just have one more thing um so like i know i think we may have actually said it on a podcast that this draft was very top heavy and there were just a few guys and that everybody else was going to be average. Yeah. And this summer league showed that they were like 18 players who were probably going to be very solid additions to an NBA roster. Uh, I don't know. It just, we can never accurately predict these drafts. Like the drafts that we think are just going to be so good. You end up with three guys that are good players. And then, this draft, we're like, okay, there's, you know, maybe a couple good players and that's it. But it, you know, it may, they hadn't even played a game yet, so we can't truly know that. But if the summer league games, any indictment of what's happening moving forward, uh, this is a deep, deep, deep draft. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I think people get caught up in a little bit is like, some of these guys will come in and, in a summer league game and average like 18 a game. Like I, I'm looking through the stat list right now, and you've got like guys um, like Tyler Dorsey or Wayne Seldon or like guys who are putting up numbers in summer league, right? And what people forget is like these guys are guys who stayed in school, so they're like 22 years old playing yeah. against like 18 year old kids like that, that four years is a really big gap and it, especially in the summer league where those are some of the old those are like the veterans basically playing so well, it is like some of these guys i think that's where you can get caught up in summer league stats a little bit too much a little bit but um yeah the the rookies are pretty dang good the young guys uh yeah like i thought you know there's a lot of the times where and I guess it could be true for this this draft class, but like Josh Hart wins MVP of the summer league, and he just looked head and shoulders above everybody in the league. Yeah. But I thought like all these rookies looked comfortable playing, like they all yeah. looked like they belonged there. And I think with the exception of Trey Young, you know, a lot of the rookies typically looked overwhelmed in their first few games. Like Lonzo had. I know he had he he won MVP, but I think his opening night, like he looked overwhelmed. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of the rookies tend to do that. But and then had a tri- I think I think he was like really bad in the first game, and then had a triple double in the second game, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I I think like I didn't think anybody really had a bad draft except for Atlanta, who traded for Trey Young. Like I didn't think anybody. Like, I thought they all picked really well for the first time, and I think it showed in summer league uh, with all these rookies putting up good numbers. Yeah, I agree for the most part. Um, I don't think I have any more. I'm trying to go through the list and see if there's any more rookies that I was really interested in. I've, I, 
the one thing I think is interesting is going through and seeing the guys who you kind of forgot about who are still playing in the summer league, like JP Tokido. <laughs> I was surprised <laughs> at that one. <laughs> playing for Golden State summer league team, averaging seven a game. Um, that's uh, a guy uh, that I forgot played basketball. Speaking of Golden State, I do want to add, I do not see where people are so hyped about Jordan Bell. Like, I watched him in these games, and I'm watching people on Twitter, and they're like, oh, my God, Jordan Bell is about to take the next step for Golden State. And I watched him, and I was like, he looks exactly like he did last year to me. Like, he he just didn't have a role on Golden State because they're so stacked. But, like, he looked exactly like he did last year. And maybe I'm just misinterpreting it, but I was like, where are people seeing that he's just, like, tearing it up? Like, he was a good player. He should be. He's uh, played an entire NBA season and now playing against – uh, got like JP Tokido. Uh, so I don't, I, I didn't see that one for me. And I don't know if it's because it's Golden State or what, but I did not see that one. Um, yeah, that's, I think people underrate how important a guy who's played on 82 game NBA season is to Josh Hart, and like the maturity. Is- right. It, it is a very big deal for a guy who comes in and tries to play in the summer league again. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for summer league. Um, I did on the title of this. I did mention we can talk a little bit about the off season since we haven't. If you want to do a quick roundup on it. All right, which one you want to talk about? Let's go ahead and talk. Uh, actually, we'll hit LeBron Lakers last. We'll just do a quick run through of the some of the other big things you think are important. All right, so I want to address Kawhi and uh, the Raptors. Okay. So. The Let's go Raptors, quick before you start. Winner, loser of this trade, Toronto, San Antonio. Toronto. Okay, I, I, I think I was, it's – I agree. I was about to say – I was literally about to say, like, Toronto is – what. like, what, let me say this, too. Toronto wins this trade with or without Kawhi Leonard. And the reason they do is DeMar DeRozan had, like, three or four years left on his horrid contract, Okay. So they trade away his contract for Kawhi's one year. So even if Kawhi up and leaves, they just freed up probably $40 million on their cap room. So now they've got $40 million to go get somebody else. Now, whether or not they do is one thing, but they got rid that like that team was done. Like that Toronto team was done. Like, for the past three years, they've been trying to add a piece and then go win. And each year, it's like they got further and further back. They won a lot of regular season games, did worse in the playoffs. So that team was done. So now they got – and no, uh, they were about to be stuck with DeRozan for three more years at least. I don't even remember what the year was. But um, so with – if let's say Kawhi States, they just got the third best player in the league when he's healthy. Um and that, you know, he's obviously an upgrade from DeMar DeRozan. If he leaves, they just got $40 million that they otherwise would not have had. So Toronto won that trade. And then they also got Danny Green, who is a solid player on a one-year deal. So it's like uh, he's either going to play well and they'll re-sign him, or they just freed up $15 million more dollars uh, to where they just have an absurd amount of cap room, like the amount the Lakers had to start this offseason. Yeah, and I think one of the parts that for me about this trade is I think it shows that um, Toronto's like taking the first step towards a rebuild, it seems like to me, and they're just going to reconstruct everything. Um, and the reason I say that is I don't think they expect um, – I don't think they expect Kawhi to stay, but I think it kind of for them, if they were looking – if they were looking forward at a rebuild anyways, and their plan was to move DeRozan at some point, now instead of having to shop DeRozan, they get to shop Kawhi at the break for even better assets. True. That's and then, point too. you know, so I, I'm, I'm assuming that Kawhi doesn't make it through a full season with Toronto, but now instead of the trade you were at some point going to make with DeRozan, now you get to use the third best player in the league or second best player in the league, whatever you or third best player in the league. And you get to shop him around and try to add assets. So if it is to LA, would you, I mean, would you have been able to get a Kuzma or a Lonzo or an Ingram or whoever gets included in that deal for Kawhi? Would you have 
would you have been able to get those assets with DeRozan? I say probably not, but you may be able to get them with Kawhi. Plus, you get cap off your books. Um, so for me, it's like I think they're the pretty clear winner just because of that. That, uh, that's a good point. I hadn't necessarily looked at it like that, but that is a good point. They can now shop Kawhi on an expiring deal. Uh, that's going to draw a lot of uh, that's going to draw a lot of interest if they try yep. to shop him. Um, and then uh, for the Spurs, okay, what do they get? They got, and I put this on Twitter, and I got a lot of backlash for it, but I think it's absolutely true. Okay, you moved Demar Derozan to the West now, and for a guy that rarely showed up in the playoffs anyways, you're now comparing him to his contemporaries in the West. Go down the list of these playoff teams. He's now going against Steph and KD. He's going against LeBron, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, CP3, and Harden. He's the worst player on that list, Anthony Davis. Uh, so, like, he's now basically just an average player out West to me. So they got an average player on a bad deal. Now, maybe the Spurs can maximize him, and he had a great year, and I think he's a great player. But I think when you start comparing him to now probably, you know, eight of the top ten players in the league, he's at the bottom of that list. And I don't know if the Spurs are the can – I don't. I know they're good, but I don't think they can propel him to a level that – matches him with the rest of those guys. So they get an, an we'll say above average player on a bad deal uh, and a first round pick like that's, and they lost Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I think, I think them going for this deal as opposed to whatever other offers they had, I'm assuming they had some that we didn't hear about, but is, I think it was for whatever reason, it just seems to me, this is just a gut instinct for me. I think it was important for Popovich who is nearing the end of his career, I would think, or we keep hearing about it. I think it was important for him to remain relevant like, and not end up trading for future assets and end up with a roster that falls off for two or three years because I think that's probably all he's got left. With DeRozan, I do think they like remain relevant at least. You know, like They're going to win games. I don't think they're going to be a bottom 10 team, 10 team in the league or whatever. Right. So, so I think – they add a piece where, like, they're obviously not a contender, but they are can win some games. And I feel like that was important for them. And I, I agree with that. And I also want to add um, that I think it, him them sending him to the East was also a – and I know that uh, report came out where they said that was important for the Spurs that they did not want to trade into a team out West. And I think it sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with what you said with them wanting to remain relevant. If they trade him to a team out West, that just adds another playoff team out West. So if they send him somewhere East and can get a player like DeRozan in return, it's a win-win for the Spurs But in their minds. But I think – I mean, they lost Danny Green because they just drafted his replacement, Lonnie Walker. Um, and then they lose Kawhi, get DeRozan. I mean, that's a downgrade. Uh, so for me, I think Toronto w- wins this trade, and that is with or without Kawhi Leonard on the team. Yeah, I I definitely agree there. And t- the thing for Toronto is, Toronto can try to start a rebuild all they want. Like Kawhi is not going to stay in Toronto, and they. But as much as I think the it's a cool franchise and everything, it's just going to be tough for them to ever attract a big talent in free agency. I just can't I'm if I'm not mistaken and the numbers are right um I haven't looked at them in a while but I th- I'm pretty sure like Kyle Lowry makes the least percentage of his salary out of all other NBA players because of like the Canadian income tax and then he's having to pay the US tax too or whatever and I think he he only made like 41% of his base salary or something like that. That's like tough for a, if you can go to LA and pay less taxes and then going and living in Canada. Like, I feel like that's a, something that weighs on NBA players too. I don't, I just don't, I can't imagine them ever being like they're, I think they, their better days are behind them probably. So I'll, uh, two things I want to branch off of that is number one, while I think it is true that Toronto is going to have a hard time attracting big free agents, what I think the open cap room does is it will allow them to overpay 
for maybe and it'll be like a similar to Rosen deal. It allows them to overpay for an above average player. Like they're right. gonna have to like DeRozan and Lowry are both overpaid players probably, but that they they can overpay or throw a max contract at somebody that maybe isn't worthy of a max contract, but will win them some games. Right. Just like DeRozan. And I think that's what they need in in a rebuild is if they're if they're gonna try to go get somebody, they're not gonna attract a Kevin Durant or LeBron. But they can maybe get a second tier guy and pay him max money. Um, and with the amount of cap space they'll have, I think that's what they'll end up doing. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that. Um, trying to think other moves. Uh, quick hit: Demarcus Cousins to Golden State. Um. So this is people have sort of miss completely taken this deal out of context. First off, nobody else in the league wanted DeMarcus Cousins because of it. they did not like his locker room presence, and maybe that's overblown. Maybe it is. But when every team in the league does not want this guy, I think there's something to it. And then the second thing is he's coming off an Achilles injury, and Dominique Wilkins is the only player who's ever come back even remotely uh, the player they were before this injury. And so – DeMarcus, we're not going to probably see the 28 and 10 or 28 and 12 best NBA center uh, that he was before this Achilles injury. Now, the good thing for him signing with Golden State is he doesn't have to do that. Um, and even if he's just a 10 and 7 guy off the bench, that's that's good for them. That's exactly what they need. But if he goes anywhere else, 10 and 7 is not going to get him anywhere. But him going to Golden State allows him to rehab this injury as much as possible, prove this year that he can still play, and then go get big money next year. Uh, but if he doesn't sign with Golden State, he doesn't get that luxury. Um, and But for Golden State, it's just an insurance policy. It's just, hey, we'll try this dude out. If he can go, he can go. If not, we're you know we didn't lose anything. We paid $4 million for him. And on a much, 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 much lesser degree, it reminds me of uh, when Miami went and got Greg Oden. Okay, Greg Oden was, you know, we obviously know his injury history. And they picked him up, and they're like, okay, well, we'll see what he can do. We'll rehab him. If he's what we everybody hoped he could be, then great, we just got to steal. And if he's not, then, well, we didn't lose anything. And so it, it reminds me of a similar situation, but obviously Cousins had a was a much better player than Odin ever was. Yeah, but, and, and Odin's only production after that deal was taking dick pics in the locker room. God bless. Yeah, I forgot all about that, and I'm I hate the fact <laughs> that you just made me remember it. <laughs> Same concept, though. Don't, Go it's on. Just an insurance policy. <laughs> uh, but it's not like it's not ridiculous or just oh, my God, the league is dying because they got DeMarcus Cousins, too. Like, you're not going to see DeMarcus Cousins. This is a completely different player uh, than what he was uh, before. I mean, it's not it's not as just a ridiculous move like everybody sort of made it out to be. I'm not mad at DeMarcus Cousins, but I am mad at some of the other NBA teams. That Here's, like, Golden State takes the insurance policy, right, and, and – they give him was it five million, and if he comes out after the Achilles injury and ends up being pretty good, okay, then we've got one of the best centers in the league who even hampered a little bit is like you know exactly what Golden State kind of needs, right? That's that's kind of what they've been missing. Um, I feel like there's other teams in the league who he could have benefited as well in that same role that people did not care to even pursue, and that. That bothers me. I could not believe when it came out that no one had any interest in him, especially New Orleans. I thought it was weird that New Orleans had no interest in him. But and with Rondo going to LA, I thought maybe we'll see Cousins go to LA or you know whatever. But it's it's I don't know. It was it was just a weird deal. I'm not bothered by it. I, I don't think it tips the scales too much. I 
but I has the, I think it has the potential to, but I don't think it will that much. Yeah, I think people are going to be surprised at the impact Cousins has on this Golden State team. Now, if he comes back and he's just this great player, then, yeah, we're all in trouble. Everybody else is in trouble. But I, I think that's a big, big, big if. Because if you go look at the numbers of every player who's had an Achilles injury since, like, 2000, there's actually a list out there. Um, and I looked at it. Every player on the list was, like, bad after this injury. And we're talking, like, really good players before the injury. Elton Brand is the most notable. Like, really good players before the injury. After the injury, they are, like, bad NBA players and on their way out the door. So, um, this is not, this is not like, one of – like, this is – people are going to be surprised or maybe not surprised, but they're going to be – it's gonna not going to be talked about enough when DeMarcus Cousins probably doesn't perform like everybody is used to him performing. Um, it'll be, you know, Golden State wins another title, and it'll be sort of a put on the put on the shelf and not talked about. But I think, you know, people are completely misinterpreting this deal. Um, Go ahead. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm just trying to think of the the next deal to go to. What about Melo? Melo today. Melo to Atlanta or Melo to Houston, I guess. But OKC uh, adding Schroeder. Yeah, I don't get it for OKC. I mean, I get why they shipped Melo, but I don't think Schroeder's impact on OKC is going to be much. Uh, like Raymond Felton, basically, is what right. I, uh, well, I don't. First off, I, OKC resigned Raymond Felton. And I don't, I don't understand how Raymond Felton's still in the league. I, yeah. I, I, it's like he, it's like he quit training to be in the league, but somehow keeps staying. Like, like his his body. He's is trying the body to get of out of the league. Who has already? He's, he has the body of someone who's been retired for like six years <laughs> and is playing in the big three, and he keeps signing, re-signing deals, and I have no idea what's going on, and it yeah, just makes me so mad. He's trying to get – he wants to retire and wants to get out of the league and nobody refute like they won't let him. He's like, right. oh, here, here's $5 million. Like uh, the, no. the difference when you watch an Oklahoma City game and they sub in Raymond Felton for Russell <laughs> Westbrook, it look, it's like it's like the JV gets subbed in at the end oh just because God. like just the body shapes are like <laughs> – I don't – it's just ridiculous. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, OKC did it to get Melo off their books, and then Atlanta's going to waive Melo, and he's probably going to go to Houston. And I'm really interested to see if Melo will accept this Ryan Anderson role for Houston because that would be the perfect thing for him. Play 20 minutes off the bench. He would be a pick-and-pop player in that spread-out system to knock down shots off the pick and pop, spot up, shoot around Harden and CP3. He could be a really good addition for them. But I just don't know if he will because we say that for everybody. We thought he'd be good for OKC. Uh, We thought he'd be good for – like we just continue to think Melo is something that he's not and we need to just start taking him for what he is. And recently it's been a bad player. So for Houston, I don't necessarily like it. Uh, I get exactly why OKC did it to get Melo off their books um, so they could sign more useful players to try to compete. Um, and it, what does it say about you when you're supposed to be this all-star great player and the Atlanta Hawks, who just drafted third in the lottery, want nothing to do with your expiring? Like they are paying <laughs> you your full buyout. He got his full buyout. Hold on. So- Melo. Has the worst season of his career. Takes twenty-eight million dollar buyout, and matter of fact, gets a two point five million dollar raise when he takes the veteran minimum. Guys, the worst season of his career gets his salary bumped by two point five million, basically. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's just fleecing right. everybody. Un- yeah, unbelievable. He is just scheming the system here because, <laughs> like, you're supposed to be in his mind. He's still like this all-star player, and he ha- and he's terrible now. And he is getting paid $28 million and the Atlanta Hawks do not want you. Like, they just drafted third overall, and they are waving you. Like, what? he just needs to get a clue of what he needs to do. Uh, but, yeah, like, OKC, that, that was, that's going to help OKC. It's addition by subtraction, and maybe they can go get uh, – I don't even know who's left out there in free agency, but maybe they can go get, you know, a useful player. 
and for Carmelo to Houston, I you know, again, I think he could be a nice addition for them, but I just don't know that he will because Melo's career overall has been pretty underwhelming. I would love – I'm actually very interested to see Melo James Harden personality clash. Um, I think that's be great for them. <laughs> um, I saw – speaking of Oklahoma City, saw somebody mention on Twitter they thought Oklahoma City would be better if they added Schroeder and moved Westbrook off the ball. And I don't think I could disagree more. What do you that's, think? That's who said that because it was uh, uh it's the B ball breakdown account. Really? Said they would be better if they moved Westbrook off the ball, took Roberson out of the lineup, and Brett played Schroeder at the point, which I think is one of the dumbest analysis of Oklahoma City. Taking he's the ball a, out of Westbrook's hands first off is I don't, but go ahead. He's a known Westbrook hater. He absolutely hates Westbrook and then refuses to admit it. But he's very, very critical of Westbrook. He thinks he should be a two. Um, but no, that's I don't. If you don't listen to anything B-ball breakdown says regarding Russell Westbrook, because that's ter- that's awful. The, the spacing is uh, that doesn't make sense. No, I mean you'd have no nobody who could shoot on the, on the floor outside of Paul George, and it's they said he's he the lineup he liked was Schroeder, Westbrook, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams. There's one guy who can make a three. Shoot outside the paint. <laughs> right. But uh, is that the last of the – oh, is that the last of the offseason moves? Uh, yeah, the ones I can recall. Outside yep. of LeBron. Um, LeBron may re- require its own individual podcast come season time, though, once we know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they're still – and we talked about it. I think they're still waiting on one more move. I don't know what that move is. But they're still uh, they're still waiting on one more move. Yeah, I agree, and it's going to be. I think something will happen. Um, and just a little tidbit before we log off here, I think LA is going to be a lot better than what people think. And we discussed this earlier. Like people got so infatuated with the fact that they were signing Rondo and Lance Stevenson that they wanted to just degrade how bad that LA was going to be, and they actually like over-exaggerated to the point where like, okay, let's not get carried away here. They've got a pretty solid and deep lineup, actually. Um, yeah, I'm with you. But we'll talk about that at a later date. So I think that's it unless you got anything else. Nope, that's, that's about all I got. Welcome back. All right, yeah. Um, we'll get back on a regular schedule. Uh, Grayson Allen is better than Trey Young. All right, logging off.